How are you? Thanks for uh, tuning in to the Renewed Life podcast. I'm Ryan McGuigan, and uh, today I have a very special guest with me, a very good friend of mine, uh, Chris R. Hey, Chris. <laughs> I met Chris um, a year ago, uh, and it was a great day for me, not probably the best day of his life, uh, but they have um, exponentially uh, increased in quality, I think. Uh, every day that I've 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 known him, and uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, he reached out to me to let me know uh, that he was coming up on a year of sobriety, and um, he asked me something that nobody has ever asked me before, and it's something that I'm very very proud of, uh, and he asked me to uh, be there uh, not only when he got his first chip. Uh, but first year chip, but uh, that he would um, he'd be very happy if it was me who gave it to him. And uh, I told him that as long as he did my podcast, <laughs> I, I would gladly make that happen. So uh, later this evening, that's going to happen at, um, at my home meeting uh, here in Columbia, Connecticut. And um, it is the first AA meeting that I ever went to. And um, it is the one that I hold dear to my heart, and uh, there's a lot of great guys there, and so I can't wait to give him his chip uh, in celebration of a heck of a lot of hard work. And so um, on the podcast today, what I wanted to talk about is, is that first year of sobriety and your experience and your strength and, and hope that you can share, uh, because you have, um, you have uh, made it past a milestone. And I can tell you about this milestone and how uh, profound it is. Uh, a year after I got my first chip, I went to my doctor, and uh, a very good friend of mine, and uh, I had, I think I had the flu or something. And I went to just go get some penicillin or whatnot, and he said, well, I haven't seen you in about a year and a half, and maybe I can uh, just give you a little quick physical, because uh, the last time you were here, you weren't in the best physical shape. <laughs> and so he looked through my chart and he said, yeah, last time you were here, we were going to put you on blood pressure medication. So he took my blood pressure and looked at the machine and then looked at the chart, then looked at the machine and looked at the chart. And uh, he said, okay, what happened? And I said, what do you mean? And he's like, you have perfect blood pressure. A year and a half ago, I was going to put you on blood pressure medication. You're 37 years old. Uh, what happened? And I said I quit drinking, and my my doctor had known my family since before I was born, and he knew the history of my family, and he said you quit drinking, and he said what do you mean by quit, and I said well I haven't had a drink in 18 months, and he stopped and he put his chart down and his pen, and he said a McGuigan hasn't drank for over a year you haven't had a single drop of alcohol and I said no I haven't, and he gave me a hug. Um, and I didn't know why he was doing that. And I said, what's going on? And he said, you're a miracle, man. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, uh, in the medical field, people who are alcoholics uh, stay alcoholics. And uh, in medicine, the numbers are uh, pretty bad. And it's one in 20 people that are physical alcoholics can refrain from drinking alcohol for one year. And at that one year point is when doctors would sign off and say you're 
if there is a cure, that you are cured of alcoholism. Now, we don't think that way. Um, we always believe that we're recovered alcoholics. Um, and then we can be an alcoholic tomorrow. Actually, we'd probably be an alcoholic in about 15 minutes if we really wanted to. Uh, but as of right now, um, two things. Uh, you are, as they say in, uh, in a big book in one of the 12-step programs that we know, uh, you are now a recovered alcoholic, which is, when you think about it, is, uh, it's pretty moving. And the second thing is, and this is the part that, um, that I have trouble uh, not crying about, but uh, the second thing is, is, uh, is you're a miracle because one in 20 is 5% of the population of us ever gets to the milestone that you're at, 5%. And as my doctor told me in medicine, they call that a miracle. So he gave me a big hug and told me that I was a miracle. Now that's the, I am not giving you a big hug and telling you that you're a miracle. <laughs> but I do want, um, I want you to uh, let people know uh, what your journey was like, where it started, where you were, what you did, and where you are now. Um, from the beginning? <laughs> yep. You know, similar to uh, many other people's stories, you know, came from somewhat of a broken home, um, grew up. <laughs> Grew up in uh, Long Island, New York, in the city with split parents. Um, and, uh, you know, the 80s, 90s were a crazy time. Um, not a lot of time to parent when people had multiple kids and, and you know, the neighborhood kind of raised you and drugs and alcohol were just, just there, um, you know? Like anybody else's story, I'm no different. You know, it started with some beers young in high school and smoking pot and you know, kind of went with the counterculture of music or skateboarding or grunge or whatever. And, and uh, you know, you don't realize the seeds of what's building. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate as a double agent <laughs> that I was able to, you know, play athletics in high school and college um, and, and smart enough to get into college and get a degree. And, you know, kind of the good time was always there. It was a crutch, you know, but I wasn't really dealing with you know, the inner demons, um, you know, they always say your brain isn't, isn't completely developed until you're 25, you know, I was beating the life out of it up until 25, you know, 30s happened and, and life kind of morphed into, you know, uh, domesticating myself, you know, family, but the bug was still there, um, you know, came in different forms, but alcohol always kind of brought me to something that, you know, really created this this um, false ego of myself, you know? And uh, it really became a crutch, and it, it, it started to just not be fun. You know, the last four or five years of it were, were difficult. A um, lot, of, lot of just creating a lot of drama with family. Um, you know, somehow I, I held down, you know, a phenomenal job, and, you know, I, I had when I was finally away I had somebody ask me you know you, you have all these things a home a family degrees a job certifications and you've been drunk for 30 years you know and it, like the, the, the light bulb went off that what could I do when I'm sober but uh, it just got to a point 
you know, we can all blame COVID. Um, it was a tough one that, that I know a lot of people went through it. And uh, I, just, it, I just hit a breaking point, you know? And I, and I knew for, you know, the worst part of it was is I knew for a couple of years that, you know, something's, something's got to give. But, you know, as, as the casino was a part of life too, you know, the gambling with my life, I, I just finally came to terms with the fact it was going to run out. And, you know, fortunate, fortunate for me, somebody, whatever higher power, um, you know, has looked out for me. And, and nothing extremely drastic except, you know, the damage I've done to my body and my relationships that I, I'm still fortunate and blessed enough and grateful to be able to start to mend are there. Um, and, and I'm really grateful that I kind of didn't get to that, that terrible really rock bottom where I'm just staring death in the face. I was, and it's, you know, so many forms for different people, but I, uh, you know, I think I knew and it just wasn't fun. And, and I was fortunate enough to come across my friend Ryan here. And, you know, he said, uh, you know, I, I, I said to him, do I got to go somewhere? And he said, if you're asking yourself that, you know, I got somewhere to go. So, you know, I think he saw that I already, I'd come to terms with this way, way before. And, um, you know, I went, I went down to a phenomenal facility, Futures in Florida. And, um, you know, when I walked in the door, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, wasn't sober. That's for damn sure. You know, gave it my last good run. <laughs> <laughs> gave it all I got because I knew I was retiring one way or another. Um, you know, to the point it was like, you know, when you start wanting to give up on everything that means anything to you in life. And I was there, and this one of these nurses, you know, it was late, too. I remember I was taking a flight and taking that flight. And was, I got in so late, and, you know, I'm like, is anybody up here? And, you know, I came in, and the nurse sat me down to just do the blood test and check me. And, and she looked me in the eyes. I'll never forget it. And she said, just remember right now. And I'm like, I can't look at me. I'm a disaster. And she goes, this is the bravest thing you've ever done. And that, that really stuck with me. The rest of the time there, you know, it was like, brave. This is, isn't this like the worst, you know, now I'm just the stigma of this, you know, and, and, you know, nobody, I, I, I don't, I, I felt like I did it abruptly and, you know, I, I, somebody had told me that, you, you know, you had told me, Ryan, and a few other people, like, just go, like, what are you waiting for? Like, you can't, this isn't something to plan, you know, and I realized I kind of came up with the analogy, you know, if I had a broken leg, you know, how long can I wait to go to the ER while I'm walking around on this? You know, it's broken. That's it. You know, something needed to be done. And uh, I went through with some great people, a program, I mean, a bunch of, I mean, the zoo crew of people I still keep in touch with, you know, close to my heart. Um, you know, walked in there blind, not knowing anybody, and came out with a handful of friends. And, you know, I hope to go down there and, and, and speak because they still keep in touch and they keep in touch with me, even the institution. Um, and, you know, now you're saying from that point on, you know, I, I went, did my 30 days and, and came home and I continued with some, some outpatient programs and you were pretty committed. Yeah. You, you know, were, you I, were committed was, uh, to, to inpatient, outpatient. It was, it was, you know, it didn't stop once I got out of there, you know, people tried, I, I watched people in there trying to talk themselves out of it. You know, I had a roommate that, that was, uh, you know, the guy was nine years sober and in there. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, it, I got to get home for my kid, you know. And I said, don't talk yourself out of this. Like, you're here. Just 
just try and finish and come to find out, you know, he calls down everybody three days later and fell off, you know, and it was like, to me, you know, I had this just motivation in me, like, this, this was, this was the big game I've been waiting for my whole life, you know, I played in some pretty big games and, and done what I had to do, but this was do or die, this was the big, this was the only shot I had at the ring. You know, I didn't know if I, there was, there was no trying to go back to the championship next year. This, this was the one. And, uh, you know, I started to kind of shed a lot of that self-loathing and what I did to everybody else. And I, and I think they really did an awesome job of finding that focus and purpose on yourself. Uh, you know, a billion different cliches they use and, you know, just, just different parallels. But, you know, in there I learned more about you know, so there was some namaste, you know, yoga, fuddy-duddy fun. Let me, you know, when I'm sleeping on a bench with my legs up and the lady's like, all right, now think of a rainbow. And you're like, oh, my God. And you tell everybody's, I need a drink. What am I doing here? And, you know, but they did a lot. I think I, I needed some more structure. They had a lot of education that, um, you know, did a lot of your, your past, your background, you know, kind of your, your emotional center of kind of what's going on in your head. You know, I tell everybody, my mind... You know, on top of anxiety and any type of ADD, ADHD I had, it was, uh, my mind sounded like, you know, the, the dial-up modem in the 90s all the time, like, and it was, it finally settled, and, and Ryan had even said, that stuck with me too, was like, watch like day 11, day 12, yes. and all of a sudden, like, you know, I was like counting the days, you know, you're in the detox, and, you know, they're giving, it was really scary as far as, you know, I think I learned more about drugs and alcohol than I ever knew yeah. outside, you know, and, uh, because we were, we were some crazy people in there, just good personalities, but, you know, minus the drugs and alcohol, it was like, once you start talking to people, it was, you kind of let the stories go, and it wasn't a one-up thing, it was more like, we had this hot tub in the back, it was hot tub time machine time, yeah. we'd sit out there, and you want, you want to hear about this, but the education, back to that, was, was really real to me, and a lot of the you know, the, the brain to the body and the body to the brain and, and how to control your stress. And, you know, I started to realize alcohol wasn't really, alcohol wasn't the problem. It was just like, a, you know, it was a symptom of the real problems, right? The alcoholism was just something that was my crutch to not want to deal with, like, what was really going on with me. Um, you know, the hamster wheel of just wanting, getting into a fight or having anxiety or just, you know, only good is your last mistake and then drinking, you know, the insanity of thinking it'll fix it or, you know, the instant gratification, you know, everything I tell everybody, you know, they ask me, miss it? I said, you know, I'll think about that first hour. You know, that first hour is great. Yeah. But the next 24, you don't know where this locomotive, this thing is running away full steam and it knows no bounds. And like I said, back to gambling with my life, you know, I, I realized some of the chances I took and, and what I, you know, what how selfish it was. Um, and, and, you know, the small sacrifice of like cleaning my brain, you know, really like getting back and finding some peace and serenity was, was huge. And you know, it was a grind going through the programs and the outpatient and trying to reintegrate and you know, for anybody that goes through it, like, it, it's the, the, the worst part is coming home. You know, it's really like everybody still just thinks you're like, okay, you're good. And you're like, I'm far from good now, you know. It was, uh, it was you know, it, I said the best, the best part of it for a little bit was the clarity of just not having any contact with the outside world to really yeah. work on yourself for a little. Because sometimes that would just throw you off. And I, and, and I tell everybody, you know, one day in there feels like a week because you just have so much time and you're getting bombarded. But, you know, spiritually, they really worked with you. 
Um, physically, you know, I was able to get back in the gym, but they had other PT programs for people that weren't as physically fit. And it was, you know, it was eye-opening because it wasn't just alcohol and substance abuse. We had mental health people in there. We had, you know, every other type of ism you could think of. So, you know, when you would sit and do some smart recovery, you know, with somebody with an eating disorder or, or gambling or, you know, it really opened your eyes that there's, everything's a problem. You know, everything is, there's so many things that are out there that this little devil can find whatever he wants, right? The greatest... The greatest trick he ever pulled was convincing he didn't freaking exist. So, you know, there was a big part, not only with the education, you know, to finally kind of find your 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 balance and your foundation. And once you start peeling through, you know, peeling the onion of shit that's really driving you crazy, and you, you come to terms with it, that you control it. You control how you feel. Um, you know, there's vice replacement, and that was that was a big one that you know they'd warn you, and it was like, wow, you know, I'd be in there, and people that never smoked cigarettes started smoking a pack a day. Yeah. You know, and and. So there was that factor, you know, oh, not only do I have to just not drink, I can't like shift into something else, right? And I think I, I found, you know, I forgave myself for a lot of things. Um, you know, I realized a lot of malicious intent or anything I ever did, I was drunk, you know? It wasn't, it was the, the, the addictive behavior and the obsessions of just just not thinking correctly. And, and, and once my brain really started to come back and work the right way, you know, life's been good. Um, you know, not everything's perfect at all. You know, every day's a grind. And I can just, I do it better. I approach it better. You know, it sounds fuddy-duddy, but the mindfulness and the grounding and just really being present, you know, they, they just couple, one of the cliches was anxieties, the worry with the future, depression, just, you know, killing yourself, thinking about the past. And I, and I think I moved into a space mentally that, like, I don't really want to be in that mode of, you know, let's go grab the drink, it's sold to you. I think you were saying the other day, like, how pervasive was a great how pervasive you know it is out there and alcohol is, is a drug man it'll, it'll take you to places you know it'll take you to do other things you know and it'll 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 tear you down you know it, it doesn't and it's your big place it's everywhere you can't avoid yeah, it you can't avoid it and and i realized you know there are you know sober communities you know people i can call um and we're all dealing with the same thing that that it's pervasive we're, we're not you know there's not just like the sober state in the united states of america that we can all go to each other and you know you're gonna have people around you that you know what another one a guy said down there you know really pointedly was you know you might be around people that drink and they're not alcoholics and he said yet and that made me really think about the impact i could have that like maybe i could if i live through action i could maybe get in front of people and you know listen if i could do what i tell people you could do because i was off the rails and i think i see that now i think small slowly i feel like having that strength and and that aura of confidence scares people right because they'll try to manipulate you right they'll try to get you back to that oh yeah you're just this that and the third and you'll go drink and mess up and then we can hold it over your head type of thing you know you dig your own whole people please and you know i don't i'm not the co-regulation i'm not trying to change people but if i can kind of live through action you know it, it it helps me that's my sobriety and i think when i all of a sudden i have friends that are no angels either but love them but everybody's at an arm's length you know so i can concentrate on what i need to do I get those questions, you know, I get the, so what's it like, you know, or what, how was it down there, or, you know, and, and I think because I was such a ringleader in all of life, right, you know, I was the kid that had the older neighbors to go buy the beer, or, you know, the girls love, you know, it was just this kind of popularity aura of, like, something, I'm going to get something to pop off and people will follow, right, mm -hmm. I, I got the good time going on, um, you know, I, I think now it's the same kind of effect that I can have, I don't have, I don't need that negative attention right like oh drink to get other people to drink to kind of build up that false ego machismo it's like 
now I'm doing something that people are really kind of looking at themselves, you know? And if, if I can, you know, spark that in them, you know, that's a good day for me. That's a good day when people are questioning, how can they be better, right? Because I'm trying to be, and I'm not perfect. But I think, you know, especially people that, that have been through it with me, they know my spirit. Um, you know, it was, it, was, it was buried, it was hurting. It was, you know, it was, and I knew it was always there, but I, I lost faith and confidence and just got in a cycle of, you know, a lot of negative thought. And it's finally slowly building, you know, it's, it's, it ain't, you know, I know this is a long road and one year is like, it's the first year, you know, you get through doing everything the first time. Um, and it's a struggle, you know, it ain't, I don't, I don't ever seen it not be, it's always going to, you know, something, there's, there's the, the, that guy right there saying, you could easily have one, but, you know, I think I've really come to terms with, I know how I drink, and it ain't one, that's for damn sure, and I just, you know, another one was play the tape, you know, I know where it goes, and I'm just, I have a lot more peace and control over my actions, and I just kind of don't give a shit as much as I used to, where I feel like I'm okay with not drinking and knowing that I'm doing the next right thing, you know? I do, you know, every everything everybody doesn't like. My chores, the gym, go to work, you know? I got a, a, my, my daughter's, you know, the apple of my eye, but God knows, you know. She's you make ten, your bed every day? Ten go, I make my bed every day. There you go. Every day. <laughs> every day, fluff the pillows. Uh, you know, the dogs, I got to feed, I got a goldfish. Uh, 6 a.m., feed the dogs. Yeah, oh, it's 4.30 <laughs> for me, man. You know, that was a big thing down there is, they said, and if I had anybody for anybody, you know, if you get in initially in a program, you know, like, you know, everybody says, oh, be a, be a leader, not a follower. No, they tell you, if you see somebody doing that, they could have a couple more days than you in there, and they're, you're like, man, this guy gets up, he walk, walks and watches the sunrise and goes to the gym, and you want to do that, you go ask that, you go follow that person, say, let me just jump on your regimen, man, let me get in with you, because I guarantee you that person was you four days before too, exactly. and was looking for the same thing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, this thing of ours, <laughs> for lack of a better term, um, you know, I've been, you know, the last year, I, I, you know, I'm not a big broadcaster, so, you know, I have a big mouth, but it, it may come out when people are, oh, you don't drink, or, you know, and I, and I try not to really broadcast it, but let me tell you, we find each other, man, we smell each other out, and, and it's like, you got a friend immediately, you know, because everybody knows if, if you're going through it, you know, they, they don't want you to feel alone, because I think that was the biggest problem I had, is how alone wow. yeah. I felt, I mean, it was... It was bad, you know. My mental health was so shot that it was. It was to that point. I was like, I'll just, I'm just gonna go nuts and take my chances. And if, if, if the worst case scenario happens, people are better off. Isn't it you funny know? that we felt alone, but it was us that w we were hiding from everybody? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like the biggest catch twenty two. You know, it's like what what am I hiding from? But I can't get out of my own way. Mm -hmm. And and to find, you know, that camaraderie. And and once you open up, and then you know, like I said, once once I was in for seven days, and somebody else came in, you know, you were so welcoming you wanted to get to know them and see what's going on because you know you had nothing better to do yeah but it was you know a beautiful place we had the pool but you know a friend of mine sitting there said one time he goes don't don't get it twisted you are institutionalized but we you know the way the gravity of people that want to help each other it was it was a feeling i probably never had i never knew you know i think drinking was it made me feel especially in those young years you know like it b built a friend base. You found everybody that drank, and it was such a good time. And you were the, you were doing what the craziest thing was out there, and making the craziest memories. And everybody was talking about what you were doing. You know, like that just that 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 false ego. Like you want everybody to like talk about you and 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 you know how far you took it. And then it was like 
this other side of it that like I never knew that man just everybody wants everybody to get better you know everybody's like he, everybody's holding each other up they had a big structure in there where it was these Native Americans and one's pulling another one it was a big 20 foot thing in the atrium we walked past every day and it was just somebody pulling somebody else up and it was you know I work in, with project management so I know team building and, and forming storming norming performing you know it was it was so true and and like the stronger you know the, the stronger we were together like the next person we could bring in like we brought we gave them strength you know and it was kind of this real synergy that like I never I didn't understand in any other aspect of my life you know sports teams is great but it's like you're there you practice feel and then that's it right and then you're all these different people and different groups but you know you're good as that team but this was like this was foxhole shit I never this was what it must be like in the military where it was like all we got is each other to get through this and it was crazy where we were because you know the prisoners ran the goddamn prison sometimes because if people weren't listening we were all you know about trying to make things right for for who deserved it um in a good way but i i just if there's anything i could say that feeling you know i hold on to and i still get up every day and i have my cup of coffee and watch the sunrise and i think of being there and the people and and a big you know big thing that you know i have to deal with and i'm sure you know you've told me too is you know at a, and a big thing i want to say when i'm down there if i speak is you know, that that room of 25 people, 24 people we had, you know, six of them are dead within six months. Two of them were dead within two months. Um, you know, multiple people, I've heard, relapse. You know, there's, a, there's maybe five or six of us, seven of us that, you know, still keep in touch and still monthly anniversaries. You know, they say don't count, but it doesn't matter. Do whatever you want, whatever keeps you going. Um, we, we really, there's a support, you know, if it's a phone call once a week or once a month or just, you know, there, there's something. And, and, you know, I found a couple of good groups. I always, you know, meetings are key. Um, and I'm fortunate that I had some friends, you know, through some other hobbies and interests that, that I see outside of there. But, you know, you got to you gotta find somewhat of a fraternity that you can make those phone calls. And I, and I think, you know, when I go in... I don't want to say I don't struggle, but I know that I'm more, I think that I knew for so long that I've, the strength is built quicker that, you know, when I see people that, that are really struggling, you know, like just, just, just go get yourself in rooms, you know, no matter when you need it, because it's all you got, you know, it's being alone is, is brutal. How, how, what, what did you, after you left rehab, uh, what can you share with people about what it is that you actually did um, to stay sober? Uh, I mean, <laughs> uh, just I I was in the gym. You know, the gym was my zen. That was that was once a day. You know, I started challenging myself. I'm gonna do the gym. You know, I'm gonna read constantly. I was always reading. Somehow I read when I was drunk, but I, then I I'm gonna just. Gonna you know, remember something I read. Delve in, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna delve into books. Um, you know, I have a really active mind. I'm just a sponge. Um, you know, I I reacclimated right back into work. Um, you know, but like I said, you know, I, I did kind of some outpatient programs and 
for anyone that's been through that, you know, they are tough because, you know, there is some, some of kind of, you know, the legal system people in there that don't give a shit. So it's a real challenge when you're in there and, and somebody's there because they have to be and you're there because you, you, you want to put in the work. Um, so that was a challenge, but it was still, you know what, at least I'm in here and not out there. And, and you find the people that, that want it too. And, you know, it may be a three-week relationship that you just see people and you kind of, you get to know each other quick, but you're all striving for the same thing. You know, it might be somebody friend for life. Where would um, you meet people? Did you go to meetings or what would you do? I did IOP. I mean, that was three nights a week for, uh, for I think, a month, three hours every night. I mean, it was intense. Um, and like I said, there were some people in there that were there, you know, from the penal system and just didn't give a shit. So, you, you know, you start to build that strength like, I'm not, I don't need to let them in my space. You know, I'm here and I want to just gravitate with the people that want to do it, you know, because um, it's a tough industry. You know, the people that are doing social services, you know, they don't get enough credit and they got to deal with some real, real pieces of work um, when they're trying to do good. Um, but then I did another 12 week, I think that was once a week and I was going to meetings twice a week. And, um, you know, I just, when I was in, when I was in futures, you know, a big couple big exercises on, on really nailing down purpose in life. And, um, you know, my family was, was huge, um, just to be around, you know, there was, there's a. A lot, always a lot of work to be done, but having, having, you know, a child and seeing that innocence, um, you know, it really started to click for me that I got to break the cycle, you know, I, I went through this with my father who was kind of, you know, do what you want and live how you want to live and no consequence. And that was alcohol for him. Um, you know, there was, I think I went to one Yankee game with him when Mariano Rivera started and he lost in 95 and he told me I'm never going to the Yankee game again with you I'll drink at the bar I will watch it at the bar I said shit you not and I asked him all if I lived in the Bronx with him I said dad I'm taking a bus fight all the bleach seat. Uh, you know where I'll be I'll watch a game and I go over and after and meet him and you know we, we worked you know I come home in the summers live in the city with him and it was you know um, hey 3 o'clock liquid lunch we worked all day you know that's 16, 17, 18 years old I wasn't even old enough in these bars but um, you know, he just developed, you know, he didn't, he didn't realize what he was doing because he was broke. Um, and God bless him, not here. He died from esophageal cancer, which I learned in rehab. I'm always like, oh, he like hot sauce. He's Puerto Rican. Uh, you know, no, it was, it was, uh, you know, and, uh, it was esophageal stomach, pancreatic, yeah. liver, it's real, kidney. Man. And, and it, 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 pain, it pains me to this day because he, you know, maybe saw my daughter once and, and then passed away. Um, so, you know, I always, I, I've forgiven myself for, you know, I learned a lot about, you know, modeling and, and, and kind of where I saw what I did and why I, why I thought it was right or how I gravitated to it for the, the lazy factor. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it was so easy, right? It's so easy to just go out and have a good time. I mean, that was the thing with the double agents. Get your shit done, and then go, you know, party hard, work hard, play hard, all that. And uh, I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate that I kind of, I knew, you know, somewhere along the line, like, this shit just ain't fun. Like, this is taking a toll on my body. This is taking a toll on my life. 
is taking a toll on all my relationships. Like, what am I... What? Where's the fun in just slowly killing myself? You're sick and tired of being sick and sick tired. Sick and, yep, yeah, that was it. And God bless my father, but, you know, I, I wanted to break that cycle because I knew he was... He, he must have had his issues, you know? I wish I could see him now and say, hey, you know, you want to come down this road with me? I'll be in the 70s and, you know, never too late, I tell people. But uh, it's... um. You know, there's, there's, you gotta, you gotta learn to just look forward. You know, you, you kind of work your shit out in the past and get all the victim bullshit out of your head. You're not, a, you're, you can't be a victim of everything. You know, that's a big addiction to people. It's the victimization, you know, and uh, everybody, well, you didn't tell me. What do you mean I have to tell you? Like, what, how are you a victim of me if you just didn't know to stop at a red light, right? Or look both ways, right? Or tie your fucking shoe. Because I didn't tell you, right? I mean, and, and I think addicts love it. Love being a victim. It's awesome. Everybody's fucking wrong. Everybody's that's, a fault except that, you. That's it. But, you know, you don't, like I said, you don't have to be imbibing and, you know, drinking and drugging. Like, you could be involved in, you know, you read this shit about so many other crazy vices these days. It's like... You know, retail therapy or video games. I mean, it's just, it's not, there's so many things that people just, just overdo to get in their head to block with, you know, what's going on up there, right? They don't want to deal with it. It's too difficult. Um, you know, alcohol just happens to be the dumbest thing in the world because your decision making goes out the window. So the risk you're putting yourself out uh, is, is exponential. You know, I said to myself, I might die doing anything. Why am I... Why am I adding to the probability of this, right? Why I want to live. And I think it just came, to, you know, somebody said to me, it's not a right or wrong thing. It's a life or death thing. And, and, you know, like I said, I'm fortunate enough, the last year, you know, the beginning, it was a journey. It takes a lot. Um, you know, the first, you know, rehab, they have, what do they call Pink, pink cloud? Pink clouding. Oh, the pink cloud's great. You're in there. You're ready to take over the world. You'd be the... President of the United States. Day 12. Oh, just, I mean, you can't do wrong. I got this. Yeah. And then they're like, you know, I had, I give you the story. You'll, Ryan probably knows it. Is, is people, you got to go to the airport. And there's a big bar there's right a big there. big bar right in front and of you. I thought to myself, I cannot remember a time unless I was so hungover I just needed to sleep that went to an airport and didn't get wasted yeah. on and off a flight. It's a huge trip. So it's almost insane that the, the, they would let you out of there to go to the airport on your own and just hope for the best. I know a lot of people that have never uh, made it past No, that. I had a couple guys with us. It was the first thing they did. I'm good. I'm good. I can have one. Right I out of rehab, and, right yep, to the bar. Yep. I, you know, I think that, that I think what a year really gives me is, is this kind of perspective on time. You know, because when I was in there, like I said, a week was like a, uh, two months it felt like, you know? And, and now, having a year, like, it's been slow, but, you know, I followed the program, you know, I probably got through about New Year's, you know, thankfully, you know, I want to say it was winter, so I was more indoors, I had more time to enjoy with, you know, my daughter, my family, um, but, you know, holidays are rough, celebrations are fucking slippery, man, and if you can't do it, you know, just go somewhere, go to a meeting, call somebody, they have them. You know, I can't tell you how many people are telling me just there's a Christmas meeting. Come here. You know, if you can't take it when you're home, there's 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 everybody's out there with the same kind of 
slippery, squirrely feeling you got. And that, that's, that's a good thing, that you know that's there. Um, you know, if I knew that was there when I was in it, you know, would I have taken it? But, you know, now that knowing, there, there's support. Um, and, and, you know, even a phone call. You know, I could call this guy if I'm feeling squirrely. I could call ten people, you know. The, the, the Back to the loneliness was the worst part. It was really, you're so in it, and everybody's pissed off at you, and it's all on you, and you don't know how to get out of the fucking fishbowl. That's what he said. The guy saw me and said, you're in the fishbowl, and it's a lot better outside, and you don't think you can get out. And it was true. And it was, it was not only the fishbowl, it was the fact that I was the fish... And everybody's staring in. I'm the only fish in there. There's no other fish with me. I'm like, I'm by myself. You know, waiting for the sprinkles to get fed. Waiting for any, like, oh my God, just please care about me. And it's like, nobody's going to give a shit unless you give a shit about yourself. And, and everybody, you know, you can't, the validation of other people, I think, you know, once addicts get into that, addict, you know, alcoholic addicts get into that is, you know, the enablement. You know, everybody's real crafty about how they get around things. And, well, you do this, and I'm going to do that. You know, I think I just separated that for myself. And I started to really take a hard look at owning my own shit, you know. It's, and it just, like the guy said, how did you do this drunk for 30 years? How did you, how have you sufficed, you know? Like, how have you self-preserved enough that, that you, you know, because I was good at what I did. I was really, I was a really good alcoholic right I was gonna get what I want and pivot everybody into what I needed in my chest moves to make sure I got what I wanted at the end of the day I did everything's quid pro quo like he said he's gonna give me my chip I gotta come here right it was I am going to get that and I will do what I need to do but I'm getting that right and I never got to that point where like it was all about me and I didn't do anything for anybody else and somewhat, you know, a lot of people I've dealt with go deeper into just absolutely, you know, taking advantage of, of you know, people's emotions. I, I think the one thing I always had, which, you know, take it for what it's worth, was integrity in the fact that, like, I knew I was always loyal to others and I had integrity that I wouldn't cross those lines as bad as others. But I still did. You know, I've done things... I'm not proud of, but it never went down to a point where I couldn't support myself. You know, it was almost the functional, but really extreme functional. And once it just started being where, you know, I was I was forcing people away. I wouldn't want to be around me, you know. I wasn't safe to be around. Um, you know, I knew it, but that's how crazy that shit was, is that it was, it had such a hold of me that I could be good for, you know, a couple days, and, like, it would just come calling back like everything was going to work out again you know like nothing nothing bad is going to happen this time and that's it wasn't the case the, the hamster wheel went on and on until i just i just had enough if you if you had some advice for somebody who's watching this and has somebody who's sick and suffering at home or they're sick and suffering at home what would you what would you say to them you're not alone um and there's so much help out there and life is better on the other side take my word for it and if you're struggling if it hurts and you just don't know how to get out of it you know just pick up the phone there's there's so many avenues call this guy call i mean it, it, it's like go to just go to a meeting you know 
if you don't feel safe, you deserve to be safe. Like you're worth it, you know? And I, and I felt like I had to start asking myself, like, am I worth it? Why am I even asking myself that question? You know, I was right there with those, you know, at the struggle that I'm not worth it. I don't, I'm a piece of shit. Look at what I did. Look at what I'm doing to people, Look, you know? And, and, you know, it'll take a toll on you. It is the ball and chain. It is, it is absolutely the heaviest weight, the monkey, whatever you want to call it. It'll, it'll crush you if you let it. But the thing is, is there's a way out. It really, they really, as much as nobody believes it, I saw people come through things that I, I learned about addictions that was so vicious. It, it, I, I've seen people transform and it, it blew my mind because it made me grateful to say, well, I wasn't that bad, but you know, everybody has their own story and you can get out of it. There's treat there, you know, medically, spiritually, emotionally, there's all this support out there and don't think it's anything weak. Like I said, when that woman looked at me and said, this is the bravest thing you ever did at my weakest point, you know, I'm telling whoever needs it, you can, you, you got bravery in you too. And you just, you just got to want it for that one second. You got to tell yourself, I'm done with it. You I'm going to tell you, I'm going I'm to just, I, I don't tell people too much, but I'm going to tell you one thing. You seem to have no problem in your story, accepting that the fact that you used to be a POS. Yeah. You talk about, you've said that in this half an hour about how bad you used to be. And what I can tell you is now that you are, you, you you're getting that year chip and, and you have that milestone crossed that now you're going to have to start being comfortable with you being a miracle and that is actually going to be a, probably a tougher pill to swallow because you and I both have been force fed POS pills all our life and so you're not a POS you are a miracle you're a miracle to me and you're a miracle to your family I know that and I can tell you this that you're a miracle to your dad and you're more particularly a miracle to your, to your children because that cycle of abuse ends with you and with that I'd like to thank everybody for stopping in I'd like to thank Chris R especially for being my guest I uh, hope to catch you next week on another episode thanks for stopping by thank you everybody